Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And this is Art Blog Radio. This morning, we're speaking with Shelley Spector. Shelley Spector founded the influential Spector Gallery on 6th and Bainbridge Street in 1999, the launching pad for a lot of young Philadelphia artists who got their first shows there. Jim Hauser, Randall Sellers, for example. The gallery closed in 2006. We want to hear about the gallery, about Shelley, what she's up to now in her studio practice. And we're talking with her at her home in Bella Vista. So, hi, Shelley. Hello. Um, there are lots of places to start because you are so multitasking, but let's begin with what you're up to in the studio right now. Um, well, right this second, I am working on a solo show that I'm going to have at Bridget Mayer Gallery. We've just started working together. I signed a contract with her, which is kind of like the equivalent of getting married, I think, in the art world. What's in here right now is a piece called Mariposa, which is a full-size wool blanket that I grew up with um, that I'm deconstructing. I'm unweaving it and rewinding it onto spools. So that's kind of pretty much taking up the whole studio space. And as soon as I'm finished that, um, I've been working on it for two years, so um, <laughs> I'm not really sure when, when it's going to happen. I'll probably have to pack it up to make room for new work that's also going to be part of the show. This is a very tactile and physical project, which involves a lot of labor. But you've been also doing work that was computer-based. Can you talk about that transition back and forth? Um, I think it's... It's more about liking to master skills than it is about the skills that I'm mastering. Um, and I see the computer as a tool, just like um, I have a, we're right next to um, part of my studio, which is a wood shop, and pretty much every tool in my wood shop, at one point, I did a project on to master it. Um, and the computer is the same thing where I, you know, might learn to use Photoshop. You know, I build my own websites, and I've made animations, and I've made music. So it's kind of more about taking something that is supposed to do one thing or supposed to do a series of things and pushing at it to see how much else I can get it to do. But the, the idea of the computer as a tool is really a great one. I love that. But it's so hands-off compared to your woodworking tools. So what do you think? Was it harder to learn the computer tools and harder to adjust to them than the hands-on things? You're a very big maker. Well, you would think the computer is hands-off, but um, I have a habit of making things extremely labor-intensive. That's kind of like a problem of mine is that I just make things really hard for myself. I, I, grew, up, I grew up as a dancer. I had a dancing school in my house, and my mother was a dancer, and I danced until I was in my late 20s. One of the things when you learn to dance as your form of expression, you do these really hard things and make them look effortless. So that was kind of my orientation to um, expressing myself. And it's only recently that I've started to realize I'm doing this really, really hard stuff, and then I'm erasing all of my own fingerprints, and I'm erasing all the time that it took to make it. Um, I don't know why. And what you're erasing is your blanket from your childhood. Yeah. Well, what really interests me about what you just said is that the gallery that you had um, had a lot of artists whose work is extremely raw. It doesn't look like it's effortless. It may look a little sloppy sometimes, 
but it has that hands-on feeling that somebody worked at this. And I'm wondering, was that any influence on this more recent decision? No, because I, I think that, in it, it, from my perspective, it's a little bit different. It's the artist whose work I was um, interested in presenting at the gallery did have a kind of a raw, handmade quality. And the stuff that I do is a lot of the stuff I'm teaching myself. I'm not really sure if it's about something being handmade or someone teaching themselves how to do something. So are you working on a computer-related project right now? In addition, do you work multi-tasking? Yes, yes. Um, ac actually, right now, um, I'm in a period of transition, but I guess I'm always in a period of transition. Uh, I'm trying to um, do less projects because I like to do so many things. I end up doing too many things. I get really into things without even realizing it. You know, like I get these ideas and I'm working on them before I even realize I've made a decision to make to make them. So one of the things I'm trying to do really hard is not to do so many projects. It's it's working a little bit. I'm, uh, in my last show, which was called Dreck Groove, was um, the main piece was a big 10 foot by 40 foot wall paper piece that I made out of reclaimed cardboard. And I want to do more of work like that. And that work gets made in, in a computer program, um, the actual pattern of it. And then the, the stuff gets cut out on a laser cutter. So that's very electronic and very the opposite of the piece here in the studio. So some gallerists are very hands-on, and I think of Bridget Mayer as having very strong ideas about what she wants to show. And I'm wondering what it is that's in store for this upcoming show. <laughs> it's interesting that for Bridget and I to be working together, because we've known each other for about 10 years, I never would have ever imagined being in her gallery. Um, I didn't really think my work was in keeping with the stuff that she uh, shows. But about a couple years ago, she told me that she was going to be closing down and kind of revamping the whole thing. I was really nervous about this um, signing up thing. And I've never actually signed a contract with anybody in all these years. Really? Because you used to be represented by Sandy Webster Gallery, right? Yeah, you but had we shows there. Yeah, we weren't quite as... Uh, I had shows there, but we weren't quite as... Sandy didn't want to do... Um, to kind of take on the whole package. Um, and I've, I'm really happy to hand some stuff over to people. I've do, been doing a lot myself. What's some so, of the stuff that you're handing over? Well, I mean, one of her responsibilities is to kind of expand the world of people who see my work and to increase the value of my work and to make me as more high profile as an artist, which are all things that at this time in my life I'm really, really interested in doing. But the thing, that, the thing that made me kind of jump on board uh, is, well, one was that she was having this big change, and the gallery space is beautiful. You know, it's the, now the nicest space in the city. And she said to me, we were sitting right here in my studio, and I told her, I, I don't know what I'm going to make. And she said, I'm comfortable with that. And that gave me the okay that, it was, that I was going to go there. And, you know, I do want her advice on things. I do want her to tell me, um, what things she thinks are strong or things that are people responding to, but I don't want her to tell me what to do. And if she does make suggestions, which she does, you know, if I, I, I think that she's okay if I don't take them. 
So do you see your work, how do you see your work fitting in with what else is in that gallery? Because not everyone who hears this is going to understand when we say, well, Bridget always showed this kind of work, and what is the difference? I, in, in the past, Bridget's gallery was pretty focused on abstract painting. Now she's taken on um, sculptors, photographers, um, people who work in mixed media, and she has a, a video projection area. It's not like a pigeonhole for something. It's more kind of expansive. So let's talk about you as a gallerist, because you were a gallerist with Spectre Gallery for an, many years. So does it feel weird being in this new relationship as an artist with a gallerist? I, I don't find it weird to have a person representing my work, because even though I had a gallery all these years, I was always still making work and had a studio practice. So I always was working with someone. There's a good and bad side to it. One is I kind of know how to do everything and I know I know what's going on. I, you know, do what I'm supposed to do, which a lot of artists don't and it's really annoying. So I try not to be annoying. What um, are some of the annoying things people do? Showing up do. the same day as the show opening with work or not showing up um, with work. Um, um, we think that may be your experience as a gallerist. <laughs> Are we intuiting that? <laughs> you want yes. to tell a story yes. here? Um, well, I became um, a gallery owner around the same time that I became a mother. So there was a lot of um, mommying going on in both my home and in the gallery. Um, but since I was choosing to work with young and emerging artists, um, that was a choice that I made. And I really liked it because I feel like I helped shape people's way to be professional because um, I know I at least in one circumstance I told the person if your work isn't here by this date I'm canceling your show and did the work show up it did but there was a lot of pleading and <laughs> begging you know but I you know I'm not gonna hang a, I'm not gonna hang a show like five minutes before an opening it just doesn't make any sense to me so what in your experience made you choose to have a gallery I didn't choose to have a gallery Oh, it kind of <laughs> as I was I was saying earlier, I kind of get into projects without even realizing I'm doing it. Um, what I was choosing to do was I was choosing to have a studio space with a clean area that I could show my own work in. And I made it so nice that it looked like a gallery to me. And I started, um, you know, I started thinking of it like, oh, this would be a really great place to put someone else's work. So you didn't really choose to carry the kinds of artists that you did carry. It sort of happened? Yeah, I think that what happened is um, there was a time of, you know, of art. It, this was 1999, and things started becoming really interesting to me. That didn't always happen. I mean, there's a lot of art that, you know, I have no interest in at all, and it doesn't get me excited, but this... This, uh, at this time, there was just a lot of work that I was getting really, really excited about. And um, just to set the landscape a little bit, Philly was not the Philly it is right now. Um, there were not a lot of artist-run spaces. There were not um, a lot of opportunities for young emerging people. So I saw it as um, I saw it as setting up an opportunity for people who I thought really, really needed to show their work. So what is the thing that you're proudest of, of what came out of that gallery? I feel proud. Um, you know, I, I like to think of that Spectre Gallery was part of something larger. 
and kind of like almost like a Rube Goldberg thing where um, I did this thing that had a ripple effect on a lot of things that happened after it. You know, I, I hope that it was like a catalyst of change. Um, that wasn't its intention, but if I did that, I think that's really good. If I have anything to do with like how Philly is right now, I'm really happy about it. And, you know, and, you know, I also should say that the, the gallery, I, I, I closed the gallery intentionally. I had a closing and I kind of time capsuled it at a certain point. I said, okay, I'm finished now. And I think that um, that, was, that was part of it as well because it kind of, um, it encapsulated a, a part of Philly's history. And I think if it would have gone on, I don't think, I don't think I would have had as much impact for some reason. I think it was more impactful to, for it to stop. So when you made the decision to close it, though, did you have that in mind, or did you have other motives? I don't think I knew that at the time. I think that's something I've realized afterwards. Um, my motives, yeah, I had motives that I felt done. My, my, my motive was, like, was that I was not feeling, like, super happy every day when I went in there anymore, um, and that I really knew that it was time. My, my artists were doing really well, um, and I knew it was time for me to step up or step out because um, if I didn't step up I was holding the artist back you know by having them be loyal to me when I wasn't willing to do art fairs and you know run all over the place you know in in um, on behalf of their art um, I kind of just wanted to do it in a smaller way and it seemed unfair it seemed unfair to the artist to do that and I kind of just wanted to let let them go and and most importantly um, I needed more time for my own work. So let's talk about what came after the gallery because you had your Spectre projects, which happened then, and that was an outgrowth of the gallery where you were making multiples of artwork by, I think it was mostly your gallery artists. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you did an internet project, Artjaw, mm -hmm. which is also about the community and whatnot. So let's talk about those projects and about your connection with the community here because that seems very strong. Yeah, and, and that's a really good word just in general, connection. Like everything that I do in some ways has to do with connection. Interested um, in organizing things in a certain fashion. And if you look around, you'll notice I'm kind of organized person. Everything is kind of tucked away in little places neatly in, in groupings. And Archaw is basically a collection of first-person stories from the Philadelphia art community um, from all different places, like art, not just artists, but curators, gallery owners, um, preparators, collectors, uh, excuse me, collectors. And it, it, it was, it came out of this idea where I would be sitting, um, having coffee with someone and they would say, oh my God, you know, you won't believe what happened to me today. And they'd tell me this like amazing story. And it was a story that, um, it was kind of about art or the art world, but it connected to just life in general. Like, regular human experience if there's such a thing and so um, it happened to me enough in in this short amount of time where I thought if I put all these stories together it would really tell a larger story about what it's like to be living in the art world and what our concerns are um, people are gonna who read it are gonna figure out that the art world which is always like considered outside of the rest of the world is going to look a lot more similar to the rest of the world because people are dealing with bad bosses and childcare issues and 
people that they can't work with or things, you know, airplane flights that never happened. So by kind of drawing the art world back into just this common experience that maybe people would like be able to connect better in with the art world and realize, you know, we're not just this weird group of people, but we're just doing something different and we deal with all the same things. So it was kind of born into making connection. So um, what are your hopes for the Philadelphia art scene? Um, well, actually, to be honest, some of my hopes have already happened. Um, I've been on the soapbox for a really long time about how great Philly is. Um, it's a city where um, the artists are very generous. It doesn't have a competitive spirit. Stuff is more expensive now, but you can have a life here. You can, have a, you can be an artist and have like a real life and live in like a real house and have a real studio. You can't do that in a lot of places. Um, so I've kind of been on this soapbox for years, and when my student, you know, when my students were going to leave, I would be like, "Don't, you know, don't do that. Don't leave." Or, or people that I knew, don't leave, stay here. So now um, people stick around. People go to art school here, and then they stick around. And people even move here. The, the museums are showing work of our of the people of our city, which is really great. You can always see someone's work there, and people are coming from other places to to see it. Um, and there's this really concentration of people being interested in emerging artists, which is really good, but not for me, because I'm not an emerging artist anymore. So, <laughs> so my hope of Philadelphia and the, the art world in general would be for there to be a really, people to get really excited about people who are like mid-career and beyond. So, <laughs> so that I can jump on board with that. But it's, it's really happening in Philly. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and I think things are kind of really coming, coming together a lot. Thank you, Shelley. We've been speaking with Shelley Spector. Thanks so much. Thank you. Art Blog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And thanks to Eric Biondo for his music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.